1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and
2: welcome to our final episode of What's the Crack? We're going on hiatus indefinitely we're closed for we refurbishment close and we don't know when we're going to come back it all depends on rob so his twitter <laughs> is at Calder rob so just you know bombard him if you want to know what's happening no, i wouldn't <laughs> is that it i is wouldn't it? hang on a response from my twitter account. that's fair but I, Lindsay is going to australia
3: Melbourne, number one city in the world to live in.
2: Apparently, Apparently. and I am going to Toronto, the number one city in the world to live in. Um, So I've already introduced who's with me today, Rob and Lindsay. Hi. Hello. Hi, and our end of term special is going to be on drugs in films. Um, so it's it's represent it's drugs represented and its use in films. It's going to be quite a broad chat. Just going to have some of this chat, maybe some examples of films that we've seen and what, what we're bringing in. But um, I'm sure we've all seen films with drugs in them. Um, Lindsay's shaking her head; she's not seen any films with drugs in them. Um, I'm going to name a few of the old, old golden oldies as we start. So it's uh, one of the first films with drugs in them was Frank Sinatra's Man with a Golden Arm. First mm. ever recorded use of no, drug on film. No, 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 no. <laughs> one of the first. I'm not. I ain't got into that much research, <laughs> but one of the first was *Man with the Golden Arm*, um, which was uh, with Frank Sinatra who plays a card dealer who wants to kick his heroin addiction, mm. and the drama with that. So it was. Uh, it obviously sparked a lot of controversy because it was one of one of the first. Uh, depictions of a taboo subject which was heroin dependence
4: and um, I, I would suggest that um, one of the earliest films to uh, deal with the um, the nature of addiction was perhaps Nosferatu what's that that's oh, like the original <coughs> monster film vampire about a vampire right mm. like
3: Dracula that mm. kind of thing yeah. why what, Who? what is he addicted to blood
4: well I think there are, there are overtones of the, of the outsider and their behaviour which uh, doesn't fit with society and uh, compelling behaviour and this view of them as a monster but actually when you get to know them they're a, they're a real individual, oh. a kind of a person, a compassionate um, individual. Um, Spoilers
3: for Nosferatu.
4: Yeah, yeah, really, if you, yeah, if you want to know what happens. We when was put, that made then? Um, we're eating popcorn.
3: And the thing about the End of Terms special is we have no references or <laughs> citations this, to back up what we're saying.
4: This is our uh, USP for today.
3: Well, was it in the 1940s, 1950s? I think was it was Ball like Park. 1920s.
2: Oh, wow.
4: Okay.
3: It's so even well before old.
2: Reefer Madness.
3: If you picture like a vampire man, who's like bored
2: and is like, that's 1922. 1922. So it was like super early. Who mm-hmm. doesn't know about film now? Ooh. Not me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Great. That is one of the first then, or that said well, it's I like under, undertone. I, I suppose
3: <laughs> there's something about it which is maybe they're reflecting a taboo subject by abstracting it through monsterism mm-hmm. and through science fiction. Yeah, science fiction often dealing with a lot of subjects in interesting ways and horror. Exactly. So, mm.
2: well, then Reefer Madness came in the 30s, mm-hmm. I think, which we've mentioned in a couple of our other podcasts when we're trying to go, oh, ah, drugs—they're the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, that comes from pretty much Reefer Madness, which is an American propaganda film which uh, showed that, well, the spiralling out of control lives of people who took cannabis, going from murder, suicide to uh, ending up in madness. Mm. Um, I'm assuming shown to school kids.
4: But yeah, but <laughs> also considering the, the compelling nature of that plot, you know, someone takes a substance, spirals into, you know, murder, madness and, and chaos. So it's quite a difficult film to get to the end of. I mean, yeah. it's, a fairly, it's a fairly dry watch, considering <laughs> it's taken some really, really juicy storylines.
2: Yeah. Um, or oh, for cannabis as well. When people actually mm. try cannabis and realise that that isn't the spiral that they're going for, mm. who are they going to trust?
3: Do you think Reefer Madness was foreshadowing uh, Spice?
2: Ooh! <laughs> spice Madness, they should spice remake <laughs> it.
4: They're all about remakes, Hollywood now. Maybe they will. a great
3: idea. Spice Re- Madness. Yeah, and chuck Captain America in it could be a huge <laughs> blockbuster hit Spice yeah. Madness
4: on a Plane
2: <laughs> it's a film of the century <laughs> ah yeah so sorry are you well, saying about the match <laughs> no no I would just say um, I guess we've moved on from those times and it's now super prevalent in films how it's at least recreationally used as well is in quite a lot of what comedies and loads of films just casually yeah. being used um, but don't know. I think my point of discussion of have we moved on with uh, its depiction of dependence or addiction, and does it show it that well, um, mm-hmm. or are there films that they do show it that well, and we have actually moved on from drugs?
3: Can I say something about moving on? Ooh, just because please do. Of, thank you. Yeah, I'm so just a disclaimer is that I don't watch a lot of films or like to talk about films. So great to be here. Mm-hmm. As ever, but <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> is um, Rob's is your thing about reefer madness that it's like someone takes a drug and then they go out of control and they've got like a Jekyll and Hyde Hmm. style situation where they become a totally different person. Isn't that actually often used within film still today? Like that someone takes a drug and then does some, it's basically often used in films. So thinking about what Rob was saying about the film reefer madness, where someone takes a drug and they act totally out of character, do crazy things. Um, and you know, basically become a different person. I think that's still used a lot in films as just a plot device. Mm. And a lot of films that I've seen recently, it's like um, someone takes some kind of drug. The other day, I saw the film Mindhorn, there's a popular film reference. <laughs> right. Well, I've, never, <laughs> but,
4: I've never heard those letters put together in that way. Okay,
3: before. so this is like a new British film, and it's got Julian Barrett in it. Um, Oh, yes, no, yes, no.
4: I've I've read the reviews, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm totally all over that. (laughs) Um,
3: And there's some bit in that where someone takes some drugs and it totally, like, basically upends the entire plot of the film because they act in a crazy way and it's real like a plot device to move Mm. the film along. And there's a lot of other films which I can think of where that happens and someone like takes drugs and then oh my god they act so crazy and then they have to deal with like Can I have another example? Happened? Yeah As well,
2: I haven't seen Horn*, so potentially choose one that you think I've seen <laughs> <laughs> um, Either I watch no films or just an obscure film that's This is uh, the, the, the
4: subsequent 20 minutes of the podcast <laughs> yeah. Lindsay naming films and Elle saying no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no
2: No Okay
3: What about the what about the hangover? Yeah Go for that <laughs>
2: And our listeners will know too.
3: (laughs) 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 So the Hangover, they take uh, MDMA, have a really crazy, wild night. Roofies, they take roofies. They take roofies. Mm. Okay, and um, yeah, totally act incredibly out of character. Crazy things happen. They basically become different people, and then uh, spend the rest of the film trying to deal with the consequences of what their alter egos have done. So Mm. the drug
2: is the pivotal point of it. Yeah. So the
3: use of a drug to bring out an alter ego within Mm. someone, I think, is still really prominent within films and kind of a drug making you out of control and into an out of control version of yourself mm. is still the real portrayal of drug use in a lot of mainstream films also film which i might reference a lot because i watched it recently the one about the wedding dates some people oh. need wedding dates
2: oh with Zac Efron um Aubrey Plaza <laughs> yeah so and so and so is and it so Mike need, and Dave yeah Mike and Dave need wedding dates so yeah. also
3: in Mike and Dave need wedding dates Some people in that take MDMA, you know, do some crazy stuff, have to deal with the consequences of that. Um, So there's a lot... Actually, there's a lot of, like, taking drugs and dealing with the consequences if you're out of control, alter ego Mm -hmm. behaviour the next day. Mm. That's what I see a lot of in films.
4: Well, I think films are kind of... um, They're kind of restricted, really. I mean, in order for films to, like, come in at under an hour and a half or to not turn into absolute epics, you need a lot of... um, You need things that happen and everything needs to count. And it's the... Uh, it's the Chekhov thing of if there's a if there's a gun on the wall in Act One, it'll be fired by Act Three or something, and so it's the same with with drugs. It, it, you know, if you're looking is at this Chekhov thing, uh, it's um, Chekhov, Chekhov is was a playwright, Russian playwright,
2: author,
3: playwright.
4: Author, yeah. playwright. Um, yeah. so, you're saying, so Chekhov, this um, Russian playwright, said lots of stuff about uh, about drama and how it should be put in. And he said, if there's a gun on the wall in Act One, it'll be fired by by Act Three, or uh, you know, I'll paraphrase. And um, the idea being about kind of uh, dialogue or plot devices that are extraneous you know what's the point if you go to a play what's the point of having a gun on the wall if it's not going to be shot you need everything in there to, to kind of mean something or to go somewhere and you see it in um, in kind of modern modern films and modern films and um, and series you know it, you're in episode two of something and someone accidentally you know, drops some drugs or something and you think oh there's no point in that that's that's filled up that's that's completed but it's not it's there for a reason you know the plot people have put it in there because it serves a purpose in the plot and when you're making a film if you're going to have drugs in it it needs to serve the plot mm. um which means you're unlikely to get the kind of common um everyday kind of tedious banality of of drug use in a film because it has to serve a plot and it's that thing you know only one one in God, an awful big number a hundred or so, only one in a big number.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: very few people who uh, take drugs um, will have uh, really, really uh, quite crazy, life-changing, uh, very, very harmful circumstances. Okay. But they're the stories that people tell because they're interesting stories. Um, and whereas you know, the stories of someone who grows up and experiments with cannabis and MDMA, comes to no harm, and then goes on to work in an estate agent, is probably not going to get made into a film. It's kind of...
3: Yeah, I suppose it's similar to how if someone goes on a boat in a film... You know how many cruise liners sink, but yeah. then there's Poseidon Adventure, Titanic. Mm. No one's making a film about like an unadventurous cruise. Yeah, but yeah It yeah. gets to its
2: destination and everyone's fine. Yeah, mm. yeah. It stops
3: off, has some like nice time on an island mm. along the way. I don't but know. But add
2: drugs in that boat uh, on that cruise, got a film. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I think that's a really good point. So, dr- the representation of drugs in film is. N- potentially necessarily amped up because of the need for drama and entertainment mm. and exciting plot lines. Yeah. Mm. Which you can get
2: from dr- drugs immediately. But you know what I mean? As in The, the things that you see with drugs in, in the media is the extreme. So you can put that into the film. I mm. completely forgot what my point was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good point though. Mm. Great. <laughs> but yeah, it just fits in what the media is saying. And film is a form of media. So it would make sense that you would show mm. the how... Drugs are shown in newspapers, radio, as it is in a film. But
3: film studies is a separate degree to media studies, so it is also its own Mm. medium. (laughs) Wow.
4: (laughs) Got nothing to say about film. (laughs) (laughs) But here you are. My friend did film studies. In a recent survey of university (laughs) courses, I found... Um, Uh, I was was going to say human traffic... um, Mm. Um, is a film from the 90s. Most of my films are going to come from the 90s, apart from Nosferatu, 1922. <laughs> wow. <laughs> real spread. Most of my
3: films are going to be very
2: light comedies from the last 20 years. Perfect. That's all I like.
4: Um, so Human Traffic um, oh, is a film Maybe starring... 80s? Should I go 80s? Got 80s? I'll go
2: 80s or very modern. I've got some modern examples I can throw mm-hmm. out the bag. Are they? Anyway, Um, sorry, Rob. Nineties and Nosferatu over here.
4: (laughs) So in the nineties, they made this film called Nosferatu. (laughs) (laughs) It's due a remake. Like much things in the nineties, we thought we invented it, but turns out it'd been done before. Um, No, there was Human Traffic, which is a film with John Sim and Danny Dyer, a very young Danny Dyer in it, Um, and it's just um, it was quite trendy at the time and probably in in hindsight lacking substance. Um, But it's a film of a group of young city people going out. uh, for a weekend, it's just like Friday night Saturday night, um, they go out, they go clubbing, they take drugs, they go back to an after party um, they chat they get lost and then they wake up the following day and meet up in the pub and that's all there is there's very little kind of real plot beyond that, um, but there was again, I, th- you know, I think it's very of its time um, worth a watch, but um, it was one of the films that kind of just said well this is kind of how people experience those nights without, without there being a massive drama about it, without people kind of um, you know coming to s- massive harm or massive dependency, or without the drugs being used to propel a plot about uh, you know suicide or mental health or pregnancy, it was just a group of people um, taking drugs. It, uh, it's it's worth a watch, but um, yeah, very nineties.
3: So kind of unique in that. Like, mm. is it a boring film?
4: No, it's a good film. It's got oh. da- it's got Danny Dyer. On oh, it. Right,
3: yeah, sorry, I might say
4: and Dar and John's same.
3: So it's lacking substance but not lacking illicit substances. Oh
4: <laughs> tagline <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on my popcorn That's fair. <laughs> um that that's
3: sensible when something has hilarious yeah. as that one said.
2: Uh, yeah. Okay, I've got a question then. What do you what do you think people learn from drugs in films? We might have already answered it within something else, but as in, if you were just watching films and you'd never taken drugs in your life, what do you think we learn from it? Because I'm thinking in my head (laughs) when I'm like, if you're watching, I don't know, Train Spotting or Wolf of Wall Street, when it's all like Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, when it's just like the extreme, (laughs) and I'm just like, if you had never, I don't know, if that was the first film that you saw about drugs, you'd be like, what is going
3: on? in Wolf of Wall Street they manage a really successful business whilst taking a lot of drugs that's true the functional
2: the Um, functional mm. which probably takes us on to Smashed Lindsay you can talk about Smashed as well (laughs) because (laughs) Smashed is a really good film it came out in 2012 and stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Aaron Paul Aaron Paul from the Breaking Bad series aka Mary Um, Elizabeth
3: Winstead from 10 (laughs) Gloverfield Lane
2: oh beautiful brilliant yeah I haven't seen that what I really want to see that. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a great film because I think it shows... Um, you're looking confused, Rob. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> 90s. They are, 90s you 90s and Nosferatu. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you
3: were, were going to borrow it off me, though. Sorry that I didn't lend it to you. It's okay. <laughs> mm.
4: I'll just look stupid on the podcast. <laughs> ah, my
2: mission's complete. <laughs> it'll be a quick one. It's fine. Um, but anyway, Smashed is about... Um, Function uh, someone functioning with alcohol dependence, someone quite young, um, holding down a job as a teacher and a marriage, and also a social life. Although Lindsay's smiling because she doesn't, there, therefore, hold it because she's you know spiraling slightly, um, but it's kind of I guess again with the Propel thing it's fuelled, the storyline is fuelled with her alcohol use but we are looking into her lives of dealing with a marriage and her job and everything else within taking alcohol so it's not primarily just about this is a story about alcohol it's how is someone dealing with it as a young functioning um young adult I guess because I think I, I can't. I don't know the names, but uh, ages. Sorry, but I'm assuming uh, uh, late twenties, early thirties. With it, yeah, I'd say late but It's also quite a comparison because uh, she, the the female lead, Mary, uh, is trying to uh, become sober and go to AA meetings and basically, yeah have a have a dry life, whereas her husband isn't ready for that. So I guess it works into that of seeing how a relationship is battling between someone who continuously wants to drink and go out and party and like, Oh, one drink won't won't harm you, it's fine and then someone who's wanting to keep sober and it's that I guess it's that relationship that is quite damaging to it. But I think it's a really good film and I think it um shows it quite well so yeah and I think smashed was interesting because it
3: starts at the point where she's on a knife edge between functioning and not functioning and it's about what tips her into looking to get help and I suppose in like you're saying the comparison that she has with her husband who's also drinking a lot it highlights I suppose differences in what different people see as problematic and what Mm. someone what will be a problem for one person isn't a problem for another There was something else interesting within it, which I'm trying to think about. Oh, yeah, and there was an interesting point in it where she um, is talking to um, someone who she's like works with, a professional, and explaining her behavior. And you know, she's trying to talk about how she's got an alcohol problem. And the person actually says, Oh, so are you what? So before she said she's got an alcohol problem, they're like, What's wrong? They're like, Are you ill? Do you have an illness? And they're like really sympathetic to what's been going on with her. And she's like, well, actually, I've got an alcohol problem. You know, I'm an alcoholic, I'm in treatment. And then they like lose all sympathy for Mm -hmm. her. And there's that kind of thing where if she had an illness, which was a physical illness, they'd obviously be full of sympathy and willing to help her. But once she says she's an alcoholic, they just lose all sympathy for her and they see it only as her own fault. And I think that's an interesting thing, which the film highlights as well, how we view addiction and alcohol problems, which is something that we've talked about you know, yeah. Is addiction a disease, and you know, is it an illness? And how do we see it in society? Often in society, we see it as a moral failing and something where people mm. should just buck up and stop drinking alcohol and stop taking drugs. And it's definitely not as easy as that for a lot of people. And I think mm. the film highlights that really well. Yeah, I agree.
4: It, it sounds like it kind of touches on the um, the ambivalence as well of, uh, of of drug use in that um, often people who are Using drugs problematically are quite ambivalent about change, which is that you know they've got strong motivations in both directions to change and to not change, and and most films don't do that. They're either kind of they decide somehow at the board meeting at the beginning that drugs are going to be good or drugs are going to be bad, and, and in all fairness, don't have many drivers to kind of explore the the difficulties or the ambiguity, ambivalence that mm-hmm. lies there. So it sounds like that has a bit. That film has a bit of that in it. It does have a bit
3: of that, and there's also something else in it, which is that there's a point when. Uh, quite near the start sorry feel like this isn't a spoiler but she ends up smoking crack and like mm. everyone who she drinks with um, you know crack is like so beyond the pale yeah, whereas like awesome. their like crazy alcohol use is absolutely fine it draws that distinction between what is a social norm and what mm. we kind of see as acceptable behaviour and what uh even though they're like continuously drinking alcohol, yeah, and she's just like this one-time one smoke crack, crack yeah. which you know wasn't a great health move, but <laughs> <laughs> they don't—they see that as much worse mm. than their like continual, and ongoing like alcohol yeah. abuse, and that was interesting as well. But I think you're right about the way that films portray. It's either like it's either like a good thing, or it's fine, and if a film is like. Aimed, I think generally if a film is aimed at young people and is like trying to be cool. It's like hey, there's some drug use in this film and it's yeah. no real big deal, just people are having a crazy time. Well, uh, and,
4: and on the other end of that um um continuum you've got um films like Bad Neighbor that that take a a kind of committed glamorisation of um of drugs, you know. I mean, it's it's cartoon and um I don't particularly object to it as a film, but the you know the
2: Bad Neighbours. Bad oh, Neighbours. Bad Neighbours, sorry. With Zac Efron. Yeah, when yeah. you said cartoon, it, it put me off. Uh, yeah. I threw me. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> Another um, film
3: with Zach Efron, of course, is uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding It's <laughs> great to just really look at the back of We're and really this giving yeah.
2: examples of great films in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, so Bad Neighbours.
4: Well, towards the end, they, they, you know, there's there's lots of drug use, there's lots of cannabis uh, cannabis use and mushrooms and...
3: Mm. oh because it's got that guy in Mm. Seth Rogen Mm. who makes Mm. like taking drugs in films like is his USP that's his thing which he
4: does Um, and Mm. at the end there's this kind of you know it all spirals out of control not out of control but it all spirals to the point where they've kind of got these big um, wheelbarrows full of weed that they're trying to smoke as much weed as possible and it's, it's cartoon and it's not meant to be real and it's not and it is silly um but there's certainly a, a glamorisation there of kind of let's, you know, let's take as many drugs as we possibly mm, can.
3: Sounds glamorous. Nothing says glamour like a wheelbarrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wheelbarrow <laughs> of cannabis.
3: They yeah.
4: uh, had very manicured nails.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and lawns. Yeah. Bad neighbours.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But yeah, as in, that is the other extreme of it, like it being casually being put in, as in just a thing that I guess university students or, you know college students uh, would do just take it quite um, Mm. on the regs Another great example of a film. Um, (laughs) Great example of a film. This could be anything. Oh gosh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Sisters with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, because again, that was just they wanted to recreate this great party, and it was going to be great if they had drugs there. And they had a drug dealer to come in who was John Cena, Um, and it was just you know it would be a great party if they had drugs. So it was also a thing of let's recreate and have some amazing times. But you know, no one takes drugs, and it's fine but if we want to have a great party then we've got to you know have weed and do MDMA. yeah
3: and i feel like there's something else in sisters with tina faye and amy polar mm-hmm. so even though you've seen no films <laughs> As,
4: <laughs>
0: the um, biggest contributor to this podcast <laughs> is...
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
2: Lindsay who doesn't watch
4: films <laughs> Every film, I watched that last week <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay so I'm a closet I pretend that I don't watch films and then I stealth hit people mm. with my insights. I uh, I hate films and discussing films secretly online during course <laughs> <film> studies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is not Mark the same Kilo. as media studies though. Yeah absolutely not
3: <laughs> um, So the other thing with sisters is that in the film Tina Fey and Amy Poehler play two very different personalities mm. and I think there's something in that about Tina Fey's character is like very used to taking drugs, and whereas Amy Poehler's character more against it. Is mm. that what I'm, am I remembering yeah, that correctly? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something about how in films, drug use is often used as shorthand for personality. Mm. And mm. Um, for a personality type, it's like they will show a person, it'll be like, this person smokes weed, and you kind of get a real, you instantly have like a shorthand for how, for what that person mm. is like, or, you know, this person. Is an alcoholic, or I think often films put in addiction problems as well, just kind of as a little oh, and this person also has an addiction, you know, additional. Yeah. So, whilst drug users use the shorthand for personality, I suppose that is borne out by the research evidence because things like sensation seeking, impulsivity, novelty seeking are personality traits, you know, psychologically mm. identified personality traits, which tend to be associated with people using drugs. So, whilst it can sometimes feel a bit, like, lazy shorthand for what someone is like. You know, there is certain um, traits within people which predispose Mm. them
2: towards drug use, so... And evidence research behind that, Mm. I guess, that they can use.
3: Yeah, exactly, and evidence research behind that. So maybe that is a seemingly lazy but actually fair thing to do in films. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, Rob, you've got your hand up. (laughs) Would you like to speak,
4: Rob? Um, So, no, I I think that's a really good point. And there's one, you know, one of the kind of i th- i think laziest but incredibly effective um tropes for kind of using drug use as a personality is cigarettes isn't it you know you get someone you get someone who smokes and it is used as a it was really used to kind of quite um yeah the effect was quite commented on it in mad men you know it was all mm. all the press was about how much these people smoke and it in that Context It was pointing towards an era, towards a uh, kind of an, an era of work, a uh, kind of nostalgic view of these things. And I think uh, increasingly in modern times, when you know smoking prevalence is going down, you have uh, the smoking person, it's that kind of devil may care, doesn't care about their health. It's you know, it's still the Marlboro man, isn't it? If you want mm. touches of the Marlboro man, you give your character a cigarette and. Um, you know, it shows that they're a little bit wild. And I think it's a really lazy trope. And I think it brings up some really interesting issues about drugs in film because there's been quite a lot of studies on the effect of, of smoking in, in, in film.
3: I have a, like, a personal gripe with. Um Smoking as this really anti-establishment behavior in films because obviously when you're smoking you're just constantly giving money to a huge corporation. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm so anti-establishment, yet I'm consistently having to pay a lot of money to a very large corporation and very capitalistic organization because I'm so anti-establishment yeah. and such a rebel. So that's my personal mm. gripe with smoking. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rob, you probably had some more things to say. No, but no. Definitely put that. Well, I'll just justice. quick. Uh, <laughs>
2: Well, isn't it I, I need to find that and the, the, this will be research that I'll put in for evidence but there's um, I think it was the production studios or films that didn't have enough money would put smoking in their films because the tobacco industry would provide money for advertising within films when it was I think when it was allowed or something I, actually I should probably find the reference for that before I say it but as I think in that's true the cheaper films would have more smoking in or the, you know, the the lower budget mm. film would have more smoking in because it would be funded by the tobacco industry, mm. which is quite interesting, I think.
3: So films are advertising.
2: Yeah, it is an advertisement anyway. Mm. Yeah, a
4: form of I reckon. And there's, mm. there's some there's some good evidence um, about the association between um, smoking appearing on screen and people, certainly young people, initiating smoking. Um, and I think that 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 raises some really interesting questions about you know about the tobacco industry about uh, smoking and films but also kind of those questions extend beyond smoking and and to drug use you know that people use people use drug use as tropes and they use it as character devices and as, as film devices but there is you know to what extent is there a responsibility for filmmakers to put things on screen that are going to then then, then change people's behavior and this was the whole discussion that happened when train spotting came out because it was a much more nuanced film around Around drug use, you know, the big conversation in the media was that this wasn't that it was glamorized, but it 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 showed or it entertained the idea that taking drugs could be fun, and that Mm. taking heroin could be fun. You know, that whole tagline, you know, otherwise we wouldn't do it. and that was a, there was a massive uh, debate at the time about whether this was a responsible thing to show or an irresponsible thing to show. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think there's there's some really interesting questions there. What do you think? Was yeah.
2: it irresponsible or irresponsible? Oh,
4: I, yeah, I, I think it's... In, I think in re, in its context, I think it was um, really important um, because it came against a backdrop kind of coming... Uh, that kind of the whole late 80s, you know, the the HIV... Um, adverts and this whole kind of heroin is, is, is death, heroin is doom and it wasn't a real message you know, people who had experiences of heroin use couldn't match up the government warnings with their experiences and I think what mm. Trainspotting did was it, it brought a more kind of nuanced or subtle or, or real approach to it, I, I, I think it is is flawed in an awful lot of ways in terms of its its drug depiction but but I think it did something for the for the conversation at the time. Mm.
3: And film is art, so film shouldn't be, or film is supposed to be telling stories or reflecting life or being art, and it shouldn't be like a medium necessarily for public health messages. Like if that, mm. if it's a way of reflecting people's experience or telling a different story to what we're constantly hearing, I don't know how much you should. Although I'm trying to think, how many other? I suppose there is an extent to which film is censored by funding and things like that. But mm. yeah. it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if film shouldn't necessarily be the medium yeah. through which we're trying to regulate people's public yeah. health. Like, you should... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully you'd be doing a good enough job of putting out the health messages in society that people can watch a film and go away and not have their health... Of well, you're still kind of, like, very
2: restricting your audience who's going to get that public health message. It's someone who is wanting to go to the cinema to see that specific film, so you're still only, I guess, targeting a very specific... Person with that public <clears> health <throat> message.
4: So, do you think? Do you think there is an argument for um, uh, putting an age restriction on films with cigarettes? Did that come in recently, or is is that one of the, is, is it a,
2: a current debate?
3: Oh, having just said that, film is art. Yeah, I'm quite pro that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, pro that you should have an age restriction on it? Right?
3: I think so. Yeah, but then, How come? Um, well. I don't, mm, maybe not, but then are you going to bring in films that have alcohol use also have to have an age restriction? Like, why is that already the case? No, I don't think it is, and that would wipe out so many films. Mm. Uh, Titanic, (laughs) going straight up from a 12 to an 18. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
4: That would rewrite the course of cinematic history.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do do you mean age restriction as in 18?
4: No. It's probably not 18. It's probably probably not 18. It might even be 12 or something. For
2: American audiences, (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Do you know yeah. how the film's Yeah, I don't know there. either. Um, but as in, if it was 12, it'd be confusing if there were cigarettes in a U or a PG. Oh no, maybe a PG. certainly well, in The
4: Little Mermaid, it would be... Yeah, that's what I'm
2: thinking. I don't know. I don't know how many you wipe out. That's I don't think I mean. how I much, I much alcohol use in so Disney I films. I don't
4: know enough about it.
3: Yeah, but no, but I think that's... Yeah, I just don't know. But to me, it feels like, yeah... Mm, I don't know, probably not. No, I don't think so. Mm. I think people can cope with... Seeing stuff happen, but But then then if if if
4: someone was injecting heroin, that would be you wouldn't want that as a you.
3: That's true. Actually, you're right. That's really like that's really um, shifted my view. Um, Yeah, I don't know, Uh, but I think, but I think there's something about the difference between drug use in films and tobacco use in films. If Mm. there's this tobacco industry involvement in films, Mm. because then there's a line between it being something which is relevant to the character and to the plot yeah. or something which if is a subtle, accurate, yeah, accurate. is it a way of just advertising some, a product to younger people and I think that's the delineation which is difficult to make with tobacco and alcohol but which is easy to make with mm. illicit drugs because there isn't at the moment an industry behind illicit drug yes. use, although it would be something mm. important to consider in policy change around yeah. cannabis yeah. Use yeah. and other things like that, what level of involvement they're going to of advertising and it's a good point it's a so, big
4: conversation at the moment isn't it do you do you want big cannabis in the same way that you've got big tobacco um, for
3: me absolutely
2: not No, but and I think that's just America's the health research addictions research <laughs> bigger. <laughs> bigger than yeah. it I think yeah, tobacco
3: state... doesn't have enough hold on systems if you ask me
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what were you gonna say no just like i think what in the states because of their differing policies potentially they could have that role Obviously, not as big at the time. Uh, uh, now, because obviously, alcohol's massive. Um, but mm-hmm. potentially, but like other countries, what with Canada bringing it in, I don't think they. Well, they're very public health focused in stopping youth use. Very focused like that, so I don't think they'll be going down that road. But I don't. Yeah, I'm hoping that not a big cannabis because that's not the idea that we want.
3: Mm. I think um, with um, Canada it will be interesting what happens anyway because I know that smoking is very unpopular amongst young people yeah. in Canada and so I wonder what their rules are around films and smoking there but mm. I think there's often something in films about um, just moving the conversation on entirely because I feel like we've probably run out of things to say about policy so I feel like there's often something in films which, which is rarely depicted in films but you kind of see through the subtle like shifting of what drugs are featured in films yeah. like MDMA suddenly becoming very like, mainstream in comedy use, like through films that we've already mentioned that I'm not going yeah. to mention again but like
2: modern films. Let's get high and party. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but there's also in um, 21 Jump Street the 21 <laughs> Jump Street remake which actually is an entire drug plot where they're trying mm, to track yeah. down the source of this like new drug which is a novel psychoactive substance, things like this um, where they go into the school and this guy is like smoking and trying to be cool and all the young people in the school are like sorry smoking isn't cool anymore yeah. and they mm. think this guy is a massive loser for smoking whereas that's like the traditional image i think maybe films are sometimes keeping up with modern times depicting yeah. like differences in attitudes towards druggies mm. i mean, don't know what you guys think no <laughs> no film <laughs> well, queen s- over here
4: <laughs> i don't think we're gonna solve the does art reflect life or life reflect art
3: you don't think we will that's what I came in here for as soon as you mentioned Chekhov I was like we're solving that today <laughs>
4: yeah. set my time for 50 minutes <laughs> we're going to solve it it'll be done
3: <laughs> I think it does reflect it I think it does definitely yeah I so maybe there'll be less sm- so maybe there'll be less smoking and stuff like that yeah. in films as you know, young people out, yeah. are dropping smoking but then young smoke people are also
2: supposed to be... Or maybe vapes will come in. E-cigarettes will you be more prevalent see, in it.
4: You do see e-cigarettes coming up in yeah. films and series these days. I mean, I think it'll be more
2: to reflect it. And, like, w- will your character be smoking or will they be vaping? Who knows? And what
4: will that say about them?
2: Yeah, or they'll be smoking crack. Gee, there's, you a part, don't
4: know. <laughs> there's, there's a part of me that sees someone on, on screen smoking a cigarette and I still I still think, oh, they must be the cool character. Mm. I see someone smoking uh, an e-cigarette. On, on, and that's that's actually changing, but initially I thought, oh...
2: I thought, oh, they must be pushing this. Mm. Yeah,
4: (laughs) Yeah. they must be
2: pushing e cigarettes here instead of like, you know, smoking and just like, oh, that's normal. But, you know, in films and stuff, and that's what someone would do. But when I see e cigarettes, I'm like, who's paying them? Trying to be on trend.
3: Yeah. But same as when I see social media used in films, I'm like, oh, yeah, trying to be relevant and uh, (laughs) modern, bringing in social media into this film. I don't know, just me. Yeah, but I so suppose we don't yet have do the cultural shorthand around like a lot of new drugs and like vaping and things like that to know what that what is that means supposed to say someone. about the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What does vaping mean about
2: someone?
4: Can I um, can I raise a film? Raise yeah, a film. please
3: raise a film. We've talked about smashed.
4: Yeah, you've had your smashed.
3: <laughs> what are you bringing up? Is it Nosferatu? Go- or is it going to be? I can't think of a single film for the 90s. Is it My Best Friend's Wedding? No.
2: I want to raise an anecdote That's about a film as well.
3: Okay, Rob. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I wanted to raise a Bad Lieutenant, the original Bad Lieutenant with um, Harvey Keitel in it. And mm-hmm. um, there was a remake with Kevin Costa, which I haven't watched, which I have no idea. I've made my piece. Is pieces. it because it's not in the 90s or the 20s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um I've made my peace with Kevin Costner but I still won't watch Bad Lieutenant. So the original Bad Lieutenant is this film about um Harvey Keitel is this very very corru- very, very very corrupt cop um who wanders around um he, he takes drugs he does corrupt things um very corrupt things. He's he's a Bad Lieutenant. Um, <laughs> I mean it's in the title.
3: Yeah. This
1: is He
4: sticks a spoiler. to his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really there. Um and um and he has he has this one particular crime to to solve which he um, which is kind of a very loose narrative for it. But basically the narrative is his kind of spiralling drug use, uncontrollability, this kind of lifestyle that almost fitted him at one point, which then doesn't. And there's redemption in there. It's a really, really good film. But I, the reason I raise it here is because I think it. Um, there are two parts. Firstly, it really depicts the kind of the nonsense of drug use, the kind of running around, going from scene to scene to scene without it there really being anything to tie them together. And this kind of immediacy of, of behavior and response and behavior, and right, I'll go here now, I'll go here now. And you really get a sense of, I think this is part of Harvey Keitel's acting, part, um, part of the whole film, but you really get a sense of unraveling and incoherence. But there's also this scene where he 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 buys and takes some, some heroin. And in the midst of this kind of cacophony of, of chaos that, that the film becomes, there's this really, really slow scene where he, he takes heroin and just kind of slowly slumps forward and it's a, it's a, it's a long shot, it's probably only kind of a couple of minutes or something, but it really lasts and you see this kind of, something about that kind of escapism of heroin really makes sense in that scene because you've got a whole film of chaos and then when he takes this particular drug there's just kind of stillness um, and for him as the character and for for, for that film I think it, it really depicts something, I um, I make no comment on whether it's appropriate to do so or not but I think it really represents something about mm-hmm. that drug in a way that I've not seen uh, before or since. Mm-hmm.
3: Who's the director of that film?
2: Ah. Props to that director. Props yeah, to that director,
4: no props to Harvey <laughs> Keitel, I accredit everything to <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Well
2: in The Wire the TV the series, beautiful. The Wire they um apparently praised how they depicted heroin use in that because mm. they actually, you know, had discussions with the heroin users in Baltimore and, you know, used them as, like, method acting, I guess, mm. um, to see how it was and, and, you know, they had a lot of good reviews back on that, of how they how it was debated. So there are there are examples of mm. how it's been done really well and how it's been praised and how they've actually had discussions with people who use the drug instead yeah. of just going, oh, I think this is what happens with heroin use, so then going for it yeah, instead yeah. of that. So, I was just going to say an anecdote of how um, I was really upset after watching Requiem for a Dream. Oh, because it was the most upsetting depiction of <laughs> a drug use ever and it really scarred me for life. I haven't
3: seen 20 minutes
2: of it. Oh, I,
4: don't oh, watch well, anymore. You know, I th- I, you know, it does end horrifically. There's a whole abscess, there's the whole prostitution, the, it's all awful. But I, the, the saddest part for me was the,
2: the mum. Yeah, uh, when the video oh, yeah, yeah.
3: too big. When the fridge is too
2: big. Is that in your twenty minutes of yeah. the so <laughs> yeah. I'll pick I'll think I'll pick up the saddest thing in the twenty minutes that I saw. of It It spirals from there, Lindsay. Oh, so, the oh problems get gosh. bigger than
4: the fridge. Which is too big.
2: I <laughs> watched it on a night when I was um living in Bristol with my mate and I was so upset afterwards, we were just like sat in silence for about half an hour and then I had to put Nevermind the Buscocks on to like really brighten the mood. With Simon Amstel? With Simon Amstel, yes. Oh, that would
4: brighten anyone. That's mood. what I mean. I was just
2: like, <laughs> what do we need? We need Simon Amstel right now. Mm. And so we did that and I was just like, I don't think I can ever watch that film again. Like I get it and you know, I've watched it now, I can tick it off my uh, to-do list of films and I can move on with my mm. addiction career, but my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have we done all the films that we wanted to say? Do we want to talk about that scene in Pulp Fiction? Uh,
4: but there's that famous scene where um, Uma Thurman, the character that Uma Thurman plays... The dancing. Uh, ...was overdosed.
3: <laughs> oh, she's overdosed,
4: okay. She's overdosed on what Let's she thought... Let's talk about the was...
2: dancing on this podcast. <laughs> what, she...
4: what she thought was heroin. No, what she thought was... She then. thought was coke. Where the character, um, played by Uma Thurman... Um, Anyone? No, I don't
2: know what the character. No, I got nothing. Board. I don't watch. My um, list.
4: So she um, overdoses on what well she because she takes what she thinks is uh, cocaine, but is actually incredibly pure heroin.
3: Why would you make that mistake?
4: Uh, because of white. White.
3: They look the same. Okay.
4: Well, no. Traditionally, they don't. Uh, so there's different forms of heroin. What, what's become more, more popular or more kind of ubiquitous is the uh, brown form of heroin. But uh, this kind of China white um, is a white form of heroin. And particularly in Pulp Fiction, you know, again, it's kind of quite hypocritical, and uh, he buys from Jeff Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges? Wouldn't we all want
2: our dealer to be Jeff oh, Bridges? Oh, oh, am I, I, I right? in a dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Jeff Bridges is. Oh, oh, oh. Back to not knowing about films.
3: Still <laughs> <laughs> coming at now. We're so, about
4: four uh, films. <laughs> um, Sorry, Rob. So she's overdosed. Um, and they go to Jeff Bridges in the dressing gown and they try to revive her and he uh, he sticks um, um, uh, like an adrenaline pen through the heart and, and revives her and she comes round. Um, and this is a kind of mythological retelling of the kind of naloxone thing, which is this injection that can bring people back from overdose that, that hospitals carry. That There's a lot of research at the moment about whether prisoners should be given it or drug users injecting drug users should be given it so that they can use it as and when they or other people um, around them overdose and again it's a really it's a really um, important kind of cultural moment in film and um, it kind of matches a lot of a lot of research a lot of treatment that's out there And um, but mm. is kind of um, it's it's a dramatised version do, which and adrenaline instead of naloxone yeah. mm. and
2: you don't need to have it in your heart either
4: that's what I hear yeah. um, as, as I'm not a med- medic but, um, yeah. but yeah. with
3: naloxone I hear they're making a nasal spray mm, they are mm. Check out John Strang's recent research to find out more about that. Check out
2: our 8-cast.
4: Wouldn't have made such... T- but uh, that's, that's a really good example because like yeah. that wouldn't have made such a dramatic scene. No, would it? John Travolta drives Uma Thurman... He doesn't have to ponder for a about a
2: minute of where to put it and then puts a red pen yeah. on a chest. <laughs> he doesn't have to do any nose. of that. <laughs> Does the nasal spray... Oh, God, where do I drive? Put it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then... Oh, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. It was all, all over in a flash. Yeah. yeah. Okay. An- another example of life ruining art. <laughs>
4: <Exactly>. <laughs> Research ruining art.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our final podcast for now. TVC. Um, TVC, to be continued oh, at some point. But thank you for all our listeners who've been listening every week. But thank you for listening. It's been wonderful to do these podcasts. Yeah. And. Yeah, we'll see you at some point. Thanks for listening to What's the Crack?
3: Just want to say say thank you to the Wellcome Trust in King's College London for funding us and letting us buy this equipment. I want to say thanks to all of our guests. Oh, this is like the Oscars.
4: This is the Oscars. (laughs) This (laughs) is is so meta.
3: I mean, mean, I'm never going to win an award for anything, so I might as well take the time now. Just want to say thank you to all of our guests who are too numerous to mention, but thank you so much for coming on Mm -hmm. and for contributing everything. Thank you to Elle for hosting every week and holding everything together, knowing everything about everything. Um, Thank you to Rob for having the original idea to make a podcast. Great idea. People love podcasts. And thanks to you, Lindsay, for knowing so much about films. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Who
2: Who knew? knew?
4: Um
2: so yeah, you're welcome anytime. (laughs) No problem. Um, (laughs) If you want to keep on in touch with us, we've got the Twitter, as always. I'm sure Lindsay will check it sporadically throughout her time, as always. Thank you very much, everybody, and good night. Good Night. night. Might drop.